Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is my 57th Live Courageously podcast show since I started the show about two years ago. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and has been an unconscious theme for most of my life. This is a very special show as I make another turn around the sun and celebrate my birthday week this week. And so this show is with a childhood and lifelong friend from my neighborhood in the Mont Haven section of the South Bronx. And we're going to go on a journey and way back into our youth. And hopefully, uh, somehow we're going to try and squeeze it into an hour, which is kind of doing the impossible. So uh, today, I'd like to introduce you to my guest, my good brother, Eduardo, as we used to call him, Gogo Gomez. Uh, he grew up in the South Bronx with me, and he lived through its worst days when the Bronx was burning. He went on to obtain a, a, his master's degree in education in leadership and supervision at Nova Southeastern University, a bachelor's degree in sociology and psychology at Taylor University, and he also had future training at Barry University in Florida and did a master's study in, in school counseling and at the U.S. Secret Service School, a safety course. Eduardo was a special assistant, a technical trainer, an MBA in college professional of college professional athletics at Best Ball Analytics. He also worked at the following institutions, the vice principal schools at Tequesta Trace Middle School, counselor at Miami Jackson uh, Senior High School, a sports director at the USA National Games in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, vice minister of sports and R&D at Gulf and Western America's Corporation and sports program director. He's received the following recognitions and honors he was a member of the Dominican Sports Hall of Fame, a member of the Gallery of Immortal NACO Sports Club, Athlete of the Century Basketball Club, member of ACD Sports Writers Association from 1978 on, Vice President of Florida Sports Union from 2021 to the present, Dominican American National Foundation, former president. He is also recognized by the mayor of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, as distinguished citizen, and the mayor of Santo Domingo, distinguished son, 1977, and gold medal national team member. And he represented the DR Central America at the Caribbean Games and Pan American Games in the Philippines in 1978. So uh, welcome, my good brother from the South South Bronx, Eduardo Gogo Gomez. Hey, brother, thank you for being part of this, man. My goodness, John, what a what a pleasure indeed. Some 60 years later, we are here. Uh, thank God to uh, tell a story, right? To share our youthful memories of uh, two kids, one of uh, Irish descent and one born Dominican that arrived in the South Bronx in 1962, my friend. That's almost 61 years ago. Uh, now I feel even older today. My birthday was this week, man. Hey, we started on the bottom, man. We started from the bottom. No doubt about it, brother. There's no question about it. But most importantly, we have always sent the, the elevator back down so others can rise. And I, and I really admire all the work that you do and all your motivational speaking and all that you do, uh, helping people. That's what uh, you have done all of your life. So I'm really proud of the work that you have done. Well, you know, like you said, you you came in '62. I was there. This is uh, this is where I grew up and lived 18 years of my life, right in that building, 400 East 141st Street, right on the corner of Willis Avenue, man. So hey, you're not the only one that lived there. I never, <laughs> I, I I I slept there many many nights watching ball games, and uh, you know, I had some great meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. 
thank courtesy of, of your mother and uh you know you and, and your brother pat i mean you're not the only one that lived there my friend many of us and i was one that can say that uh you know i'm really thankful for forever indebted to you and your family for having me as a son you can say well this is that uh, you remember this is our apartment uh, you this is where you're talking about that's my mom and and uh that was right you know where you watch many baseball basketball and every other sports with my brother um and you guys would go at it non-stop man it was just like it was a it, it was its own entertainment to listen to the two of you going back and forth that who is best in every sport you better you better believe it many many nights many nights we spend the whole night just watching sports hockey basketball football boxing you name it uh track and field softball anything that was sports i mean that was uh part of our lives part of our D dna and many times the the television watched us you know because i i had those tendency of going to sleep early <laughs> yes you did yes you're the only guy uh that i ever knew that could fall asleep standing up on the fence in the basketball court at at burger junior high school man that is correct. Not not too many people ha have that talent, and I am one that for definitely. Uh, I did it many times. Absolutely. Here's a here's a picture of you back in the day, man. You know, because one thing we used to do back then was dress sharp, and you were, you know, you were that just you looking sharp, man. That was uh, another part of what we did growing up in that neighborhood. That's right, but 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 you 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 had your own style. Now that we talk about dressing, Johnny, I mean you, you you only you could do could do what you what what you did. I mean you're the first guy that you know that actually influenced me because I mean you dress and uh, I mean I, I remember those purple corduroy, pink corduroys. I mean you was really uh, you didn't have no problem for your self esteem. So I admire that part of you also so i mean even in your fashion you influence some of the things i did because i was I, you know i said to myself why not why not express myself and this is if i like colors so be it so you you was you was uh, a a trend a trendsetter before alan iverson and all these hip-hop guys you, <laughs> you did it first well you know it was funny because we used to you know when i think back on it, it's so crazy but you know fashion was a big part of growing up in a neighborhood like the south bronx right and so you know we kind of created our own style and i remember we used to actually save our money up and go design our own pants and have tailors make our pants and then we'd play basketball in it i mean it's just it's so crazy thinking back on it but like it was all about style we all wanted to like represent you know we wanted to come out and look good and just you know, it, it, you know, it, it, we're living in the ghetto, but we felt good about ourselves. You know, you, you better believe it. We, we were maybe economically and, and money wise, uh, we, we were poor, dirt poor, but we were so happy. We, we were very rich. And, and, and fortunately that, uh, you know, we we survived, uh, like you say, in your model, only the strong survived. Well, we, we, we had to be strong. We didn't have a choice. Well, you know, a lot of, of why we did and, you know, one was family, because like you said, you spent time over my house. I spent time at, over your house. Your mother and Annie was like my mother. as just like my mother was your mother. You know, that was that was one of the things that made it so, um, it, it, you know, for people outside, they couldn't understand because they saw it as just a horrible ghetto, which it was. 
But for us, it was family and friends. And we we didn't see all the negative. We saw all the good that we were experiencing with, you know, and I'm gonna put up your your mom, a picture of your mom that I got right here. Um, and that's your daughter as well. And that it's just like, you know, it, it's that kind of moments in time that just sustained us when we were kids, right? You better believe it. It was uh different times, I guess, and uh but you know, we we were we were brothers, we were family, and uh I mean that's uh today it's unfortunate that uh in our most impoverished neighborhoods uh that's not happening because of the violence and gangs, which is crazy to me. I can never understand how you know you can poison your own your own family, your own people. I mean it's it's it's, it's crazy. And I wish uh, I wish it was different because uh, I, I I thought we had it bad during that time. But I mean, you can't even compare uh, the world that our kids are living in today and what they're facing. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate to see how far down uh, we have uh, come as a country, America. It's unfortunate because what a beautiful country in the most uh, the best country in the, the democracy in the world. But we have uh, we have gone back on uh, race relations. Uh, so much uh, is so unfortunate. Well, it's kind of hard for people. You know, uh, we went through so much together and like, you know, even on my our block back then. But it was different, you know, because I was on 400. Uh, uh, Fort 10 was where all my all the Puerto Rican friends of ours live. You were down on 434, right? Um, was it yes. 434? 436. 436. That's right. 436. Of, and, then so, and then beyond the block. So the, it was kind of divided. You know, I was the white kid up there. The Puerto Ricans were in the middle. You were further down the block, the Dominicans. And then the, the African-American black kids were down further. Right. And I kind of, you know, I went up and down the block and the other people were like, you know, like they stayed where they uh, they grew up in their building. And I'm like hanging with everybody. And because of you, you got me into, you know, this is me, a picture of me. Uh, playing basketball on somebody's uh, hoop in the back of their house. But we grew up, man, and you introduced me to, you got me on a team because we play street ball, but you got me one semester, one season on a team down at Burger Junior High. And that was the first time I actually played team ball. And it was the best experience I ever had, man. And it was, you introduced me to a whole nother world of basketball and people. And, and um, it just brought in my life that, uh, you know, that that one particular uh, season that we played at, at Burger. But you remember all that, man. Correct. You play on the coach Ralph Baco, who played at uh, played college at Southern Illinois, the same school where uh, Wolf Frazier went to school. And uh, we were very fortunate at the times that we had what we call night centers in the middle schools. There were open at night, like from seven to nine thirty at night. That gave us an opportunity to play ball, to meet uh, men's like you uh, and many others like us. We didn't have uh, strong father figure at times in our lives they were they were the role models they are the one that took us under their wings people like nate archibald people like Walt simon and like i said uh ralph baco vinnie brewer these are some of the guys that uh really uh i have a lot of respect for because mentoring worked i mean here's nate archibald who lived down the street from us at the patterson project who uh was a, a dear friend uh to till this day and uh hall of famer uh person that's never forgotten the south bronx and when he was uh an nba all-star leading scorer in the nba the only man to ever lead the league in scoring 
and an assist the same year, 34 points per game, 12 assists per game. He was still hanging out in the summer playing with us at the Mitchell house. And I remember many nights uh, we played to five o'clock in the morning and he lived out in Long Island. So uh, quality people, quality role models uh, that uh, came back to the city, have never left the city and helped others, uh, kids like you and I. So I'm a result of uh, people like Nate Archibald. So I thank you, Tiny, for that you did for me and all the kids in the South Bronx. Well, you know, we played all the time. And then, and then, you know, obviously you grew bigger and you just, I mean, you just became in another league compared to me, man. Cause I was like, you know, hanging out with some of you. I mean, just, you, you went so far cause basketball was something that took you to another level. You know, it, it took you to school. It took you to uh, playing in the Dominican Republic. It took you to all kinds of places. You know, for me, what I credit basketball with, and I still play it to this day, is it credited me, it, it, it uh, gave me um, to not get caught up in heroin and drugs because it was my drug. And, and you know, I, I wanted to play basketball, like you said, until five in the morning. I didn't want to go home and go to sleep. I wanted to play basketball. And so when all the other guys were like, hey, let's go get high, I was like, yeah, 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 later, later, when I finished the game. And I never, we never finished the game. We just kept playing another game, another game, another game, right? So that is, that is correct. You know, so I didn't get the talent as good as you or the high, uh, the size, but you went on to create some great stuff as a, as a basketball uh, player. And I mean, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about your journey with basketball, because I think it was a great journey you went on. Well, before I went on that journey, I'd like to say that you, you you went on another journey, and that was education. That was reading. Your passion for reading was unbelievable. And actually, I want to share this story because, you know, I remember that day that you told me you was uh, dropping out of school. That was, I mean, it just hit me so hard. I couldn't believe it. But then, I mean, you was honest and with me, and you told me, but I learned more at home. And I said, what? Well, uh, I'm a witness because you had a bookshelf, just like uh, you have in your background right now. And you had all these books that you read. So you was reading so much. And I mean, reading is, is, is power, right? And knowledge is power. And uh, I was really impressed by that. And I just like to share with the audience here that I went on to college, graduated, and came back. I remember taking a test for... For the teaching profession in New York, and I had problem with uh, with my writing. So actually, you actually helped me to learn how to write, how to write a paper, how to write my uh, essays, and you know that uh, I credit to you. So I was unbelievable that the college dropout was giving me the college graduate now a lesson in writing. So that that was very interesting. But Johnny, for uh, sports has been part of our lives, and, and I mean, all my life. Uh, to sports because if it wasn't because of sports, we wouldn't be here today. And actually because he helped me survive. When we first won in 1962, we started out at PS30 uh, Elementary School uh, up on 146th Street. And I remember going to school then, the one week I had four fights in five days, basically <laughs> because I was different, because I was a Chico and give me your money, they'll slap us over the head. And actually, I went out one day and played ball with some of the guys, Raymond Jones and a couple other guys. And then after that, they say, hey, wait a second. That Chico is bad, meaning I was good in, in sports. Right. So from then on, I mean, they protected me and never had a, another problem after that. So that was the first uh, value of sports. 
the other value was that I was taught right across the street from us, from your house, was uh, Willie Samuel Methodist Church, where I played on my first team under Mr. Barkley was our coach. I think he was a priest there or worked for the church. And I remember how he taught us the value. Hey, if you want to be a good ball player, then you couldn't drink, smoke, or do any drugs. So I wanted to be a good ball player. So that that, that, that put a stop to that. I remember the second team I played on was uh, Glad Tidings uh, Church. That was uh, a church uh, that was a group of Mennonites that came to do uh, work in the city. Remember that church, Glad uh-huh. Tidings? So I played on that team, and I remember the first encounter I had with uh, with drugs or marijuana. Actually, after a game, a couple of uh, teammates and cheerleaders were smoking marijuana. So I just came in. I was cold, you can say. And sure enough, one of the young lady passed a marijuana a cigarette to me. And I looked at it. Everybody looked at me. That was my first encounter with peer pressure. Without saying a word, I just passed it on to another young lady and says, I don't want any now. So I left it maybe up in the air, maybe later. But anyway, that decision there, I had already made that I wanted to be somebody, that I wanted to be good in sports. So I wasn't going to put that poison inside of my body. Because as you know, and we saw it around us, we saw how kids started doing drugs back then, was actually sniffing glue. From that end, uh, graduated to marijuana. From then, they graduated into heroin. And we lost. We saw kids lose their lives through this drug. So that was a, a heck of a lesson that we had to learn fast. But I was very fortunate that I had people in my life that, that that gave me a way out, that told me, hey, you can make it. However, these are the parameters that you have to stay within them in order to make it. So I played at uh, the middle school there. Then I went on to uh, high school, aviation high school in Queens, where I played one year. And I was able to get some scholarships and winded up going to Taylor University in Indiana, where I played for four years on the, the legend Don J. Odo. May, may rest in peace. After that, I started that, that's uh, our school in Upland, Indiana. That was my first trip there in 45 years. It was an unbelievable experience where uh, I learned so much. It was really a, a cultural shock for me going from the South Bronx to a little town, maybe 3,000 people in a different world in rural Indiana. It was unbelievable. Uh, the first year was kind of tough, but, uh, you know, only the strong survive, John. And when I went there, I went with a goal. I am not coming back until I make it. So yes, so only the strong survive. We also had at that time, now that you put that uh, that title, Jerry Butler, the Iceman, had a song. The title is Only the Strong Survive. And that was one of my theme songs because back then we had uh, music was positive, was influential, and was uh, rewarding. And what can I say? It just gave us so much uh, energy, positive energy. Uh, another uh, one of the my favorite uh, songs was from James Brown, uh, and it was called Saying Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. I mean, he told us that even though we were Latino, we were in Anglo, that we, you know, we, we were proud of who we were. So I... That, that kind of energy was very important that, that, that we received from our artists, our songwriters, uh, uh, our mentors around us, uh, our sports figures like Muhammad Ali. He said, you know, many things. He is he, it's Muhammad with uh, Bill Russell and Jim Brown and Lou Alcindor, uh, 
Later on, he converted to Islam and became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But these guys, they stood for something, you know. They'd say, you know, they, they were fighting for civil rights and they, they boycotted the 68 Olympics uh, in Mexico City because of the condition that the uh, black Americans and, and the minorities were going through in America. And uh, these guys, I mean, Lua Santa, he lost millions of dollars in endorsement. And John Carlos, remember John Carlos and Tommy Smith, when they won the uh, gold and silver medal, they raised their fists up in protest. Uh, and they lost all the monies. And they were black boy, you can say. So see, we, we also had a, a rich cultural experience growing up in the 60s and 70s, uh, not only from, 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 from the athlete, uh, the songwriters, not only from the blacks and Latinos, but also from uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Anglo uh, Americans and Jewish Americans and Italian Americans that uh, they saw that uh, it was a time for change, and uh, back in those years, you know, we had the Vietnam War coming in. I remember Muhammad Ali was drafted. And uh, he decided not to go, so they stripped him of his title. And he says, no, hell no, I'm not going to kill those Khan. They're yellow people just like me. So, wow, I mean, that was a big shock to me. What do you mean they're yellow people just like me? I'm not going to kill, I'm not going to go and kill people. So, you know, they stripped him. And when it was my time in 1971, uh, I think I was number 76 in the draft. They had a draft back then. <laughs> I decided I was going to follow his footsteps. So he inspired me that much. I went to Arthur Avenue to, uh, that was the the draft board. And I applied. I got the application. I got my pastors from the church to uh, endorsement. And so I applied for conscientious objective, the CEO status. I didn't even know about it until Muhammad Ali. So see how much the athletes of then, the mentors, how much they, 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 they care about us, how much they inspired us. And then, Johnny, and to your audience, I remember going to the uh, Vietnam Memorial War. And when I went there, I couldn't believe the numbers of the names of the Latinos that that that, that passed away there and how many Gomez's I saw there. So I saw flashbacks and wow, that would have been me. Because the black and Latinos, they were in the front line in that war that was never a war it was a conflict because even when they came back with no legs and in wheelchair they didn't treat them as as, as veterans because supposedly it wasn't a, a war it was a conflict so it's oh it, you know it, it, you just covered so 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 much you know obviously that the, the what we went through in a neighborhood that was so unique because it was the South Bronx was the worst, if not, I mean, the worst neighborhood in New York at the time, maybe in the country. Um, you know, so we had all that going on. But then we had all this cultural stuff going on. Like you said, the music, the cultural revolution going on. You know, uh, I remember going to see uh, James Brown at Madison Square Garden. My first concert, I got enough money to go down there. I had, And it was like, man, it blew my mind. It was so, so great. And then we had, you know, all the political stuff going on in my neighborhood. And you probably remember because... Like you said, I was a big reader when I dropped out of high school um, and I dropped out, you know, for all kinds of reasons. But, you know, what happened was then I went on a journey to learn. And so I read everything. I read anything I could get my hands on from politics to uh, stuff about UFOs, you name it. Any, anything I could get, I read. Right. But I, met, I don't know if you remember, I used to go and get uh, the paper from uh, the Nation of Islam, Muhammad Speaks. You know, and I used to go up on 149th Street and, and get the paper. And, the, you know, the Muslims, you probably remember back then uh, in, in, uh, uh, 
in that group in um, his organization, they didn't know what to make when this white kid with blue eyes came up and asked them for a paper. They were like, hey, wait, I'm the white devil. What the hell is the white devil asking them for a newspaper, right? But I was crazy. I took, you know, I wanted to read. I wanted to study. I wanted to learn, right? So I, mm -hmm. I bought their paper. Of course, I bought the Black Panther Party paper. You know, I bought the, the Young Lords paper, Palante, you know, and so, and they were doing all kinds of stuff where we were dealing with drugs and all that, gangs and all the bad stuff. They were doing doing uh, X-ray uh, testing for people for lead poisoning. They were doing all kinds of serve the people programs at the time. They were a voice. All of them were a voice against heroin, against drugs. So that's kind of what resonated for me was that these people were saying drugs are bad and they were trying to do something about it and other people weren't. So I said, well, yeah, I want to do something about it. I want to stop drugs. I want to stop heroin in my neighborhood. So that's kind of what united us as well. That's part of the reason I read so much, um, you know. Well, I, I grabbed a couple of those books. I remember Soul on Ice by Erich Cleaver. I remember Sullivan Brothers and uh, many others that I borrowed from your, from your shelves. I remember my first book that I read from uh, completely was uh, Main China Promised Land by Claude Brown. And later on, I read the another book that was very similar by Perry uh, Thomas. Perry Thomas. Thomas. On the exactly. streets, so see those, those books. They were they, they, they were describing our lives, and we got so much energy from that. And during that time, like I said, Cultural Revolution, nineteen sixty-five, uh, Malcolm X uh, was one of the other books that I that I that I grabbed on your shelf and read uh, from you know from uh, beginning to the end. And these people, they they really inspired us also to 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 continue our, 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 our battles in life and to make it and become successful. I mean, it took a lot, but uh, luckily, you know, we, we were enriched by, by that, that cultural revolution. I remember in 1968, uh, Robert Kennedy visited Alexander Berger Junior High School 139 where I attended. And uh, we went there to uh, inaugurate a, a garden that was, uh, that was established there uh, in members of his uh, brother, ex-president. Uh, yes, that's Roosevelt Greer there. That was one of his bodyguards. But I remember a picture right on 141st Street in our block uh, where they were together. And I remember, you know, uh, being part of that. That was a great experience, you know, to see him come down a few years later, or maybe not a few years later, a few months later. I think, yes, in 68, he was uh, assassinated as he was now from attorney general. He went on to become a presidential candidate. So, you know, we had a lot uh, going on there in the South Bronx as far as the cultural revolution also in people like Willie Colon, that was a great uh, musician, actually played at my prom, eighth grade prom. I remember him playing for those uh, friends that are out there uh, watching this podcast, Juana Peña La Bellona. Uh, that was the first time he played that song. So I see a lot of people also went back and helped us and inspired us. And uh, I got an opportunity later on in life to thank him for doing that. Well, you know, I always say life has been so interesting for both of us because we went, you know, on such a journey, uh, different journeys. But like when you reminded me of uh, uh, Kennedy visiting the South Bronx, you know, I just realized, you know, that I work out in Gold's gym here in Venice and uh, RFK Jr. works out at the gym with me. So it's kind of like full circle, right, from there in the South Bronx to today. And like you always make fun of me. And I, I had totally forgot it until you reminded me 
But you said when I was younger that this was the guy I was trying to be like. <laughs> yeah. so, so you always tease me about this. And I was Dave, like, Dave, Dave Draper, the blonde bomber. So you was into uh, sports. You was into basketball. You was uh, your favorite uh, basketball player was Will Chamberlain. And of course, you always have to go against your brother. His favorite was Bill Russell. So I mean, we had uh, we had many m m many debates about who was the best. I mean, you even imitated his shot, a fall away, one footer, high off the glass. That was his classic sh uh, shot. Which was which was amazing. So he was also into uh, wrestling with uh, Bruno San Martino, uh, Carl Bobo Olsen, Argentina Apollo. You you uh, was into bodybuilding, like I say, uh, basketball. Of course, we spent years years also karate, also with uh, you follow the martial arts. Yeah, you so you was you was a pretty interesting guy also. <laughs> yeah well it's it, you know it's kind of a crazy journey we we both i'm gonna throw a bunch of pictures of you up because oh. you know, and, and you're gonna tell me about be, some be, of be, 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 before i forget let me tell the audience that one day just to see how far we go i remember we went to palisades park that's an amusement park in new jersey I'm, i must say it must be 10 15 miles maybe 20 miles away from home we went there one day <laughs> I guess we were 13, 14 years old, maybe. And we spent all of our money. We had to walk all the way back to New York and to the South Bronx. That was unbelievable because I'll never forget walking in a George Washington Bridge, how high it was. It was crazy. Whenever we saw an adult near us, we all start running. <laughs> you remember that? I, I do now. Now that oh, you raised that, I, for, I totally goodness. forgot that. Wow. Yeah, don't forget that. Man. You can't forget that, John. We walked all the way back. We spent all of our money, whatever we had, the little we had on the rise at that amusement park. We had to walk all the way back home. Well, you know, it, 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 I think the adventures we would go on, I don't know if the ones that you went on with me or, or the ones we went together, but you know, I mean, I used to remember swimming off of Randall's Island. The rats used to be swimming next to me when in, in the water. I mean, we just did crazy, you know, things. Jump from rooftops, from different rooftops. We just, we <laughs> open up the, the fire hydrant and then get chased by the police. You know, we it, it was just like one adventure after another. That but, we but, wait, but we had so much fun. I remember playing, I tell the story to other non-New Yorkers, with one little ball called a sporting ball we played about five different sports we play baseball off the off the off the stairs the stoop right in the buildings we play bases we play uh fast pitching we played uh handball and we play stick ball it's amazing we one little ball that we bought for what 25 cents 30 cents we played about six different sports, so it provided us. We were creative also because we, we, we didn't have what other kids had. We went out. The only time we could play football, tackle football, when it snowed because we didn't have any fields and we didn't have equipment. The only one that had equipment was your brother, Pat. He'll play against <laughs> us with, with helmet, with shoulder pads, and he just bully us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we would try and get him so bad because he was the only one who was working who could afford equipment, right? And like you said, with the Spalding ball, when the Spalding ball would go down the sewer, we would like put strings with, with, with bubble gum to try and get the ball and get it back because we couldn't afford the ball again, right? That's, so, all, we, that's all we had. I mean, it, it was uh, a, little, a little pink ball. 
A little pink ball. We played about six different sports. We won the ball. That that's all, my friend. We didn't we didn't have much. We didn't have much. Even our basketball, we had to kind of make it sometimes and, and get the the rims were hangers that we put on the floor. Remember to dunk. Yeah, well, I remember uh, me and my brother were playing in our apartment uh, with the hangers on the, you know, uh, on the thing. And my my neighbor down below us on the second floor kind of was banging on the thing. And we kept playing. We're crazy kids. So he comes up and bangs on my door, open the door and he puts a gun right in my face and he's going to shoot me. Right. And I'm like, oh, my slam the door on him, you know, and now I'm freaking out, man. You know, we're like teenagers and this freaking guy got a gun on me. And then of course we we stopped playing that night. So, um, but yeah, it was it was crazy, man. What we would do to just have fun and just you know make the best of what we had. And we did, we did. Yeah, we were we were in, we were in heaven. Well, you know the funny thing is, um, like you said, we didn't have a lot, but you know when I look back on it, I feel like I had so much. You know, I didn't feel deprived. I didn't feel. You know, I remember the first time I. I I, I kind of muscled my mother in to get me a pair of Converse's because we couldn't afford them. And she was buying me what we used to call skips, which everybody made fun of you if you didn't have Converse's, right? Skippers, skippers. Skippers, right? So I, I convinced her to finally save the money and buy me a pair of Converse's, which she did. And I was in heaven, man. I had my first pair of Converse's. But, you know, we felt like we had, we have food, we have friends, we have family, we had clothes. And we were all right. We were all right. And and, and we communicated with one another. We we spoke. Most yeah. of the kids now, I mean, they, they have all the distractions, the phone and the computers, where when we got together, we spent a lot of quality times. So, I mean, we, we, we spent so much time, we could, we could spend our whole life talking about it. We did so well, yeah, we, we could. And, uh, you know, trying to jam all this into this hour is going to be tough. But, you, you know, I'm going to show a lot of pictures of you, and you're going to tell me about what some of them are. But this one's one I really like from you with the quote in the background. You know, anytime you have an opportunity to make a difference in this world and you don't, then you're wasting your time on earth. And um, that's tell us about that. But I love that quote. It's a great picture of you. And it kind of sums up, I think, both of us that we've tried to make a difference in, in, in our own ways. We've we've gone on a journey to, you know, whatever we can do to inspire other kids, to inspire the next generation. And tell us about that for you. Correct. Those are words from the late Roberto Clemente, the great one. Roberto from Puerto Rico actually lost his life helping others uh, going to uh, take it, uh, uh, some some food and to the uh, hurricane victims in Nicaragua. That's mm -hmm. how he lost his life, actually. So he's always been one of my uh, idols and person that I so I that uh, that actually picture was taken at Roberto Clemente Park in uh, in Miami, Florida, in a little neighborhood named Wynwood that he used to visit. Now they even changed the name of Wynwood. They've changed it to like uh, Town Center or something. Because, as you know, Johnny, uh, this is happening. They they also many times try to take our history, try to take our identity as people away, which is actually a shame. Something we had a battle with. And I remember going back to my middle school, Alexander Berger Junior High School 139. Now they give us a number. It doesn't even have the name of the school, which is a shame because uh, when you when we don't have an identity, when we don't know who we are, where we came from and we don't know how our history, then we are bound for nowhere. Well, I remember, you know, it, it, talking about that um, 
and playing sports besides being a great basketball player. I mean, you also, you and your brother, Frank, uh, uh, and my brother played baseball as well. Softball. You love softball. You love, I mean, you, you know, you, you could talk sports. You know, I, I got, I stopped playing softball because I was a catcher and my brother hit me on the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> that was the, that was the end of my, my uh, baseball career. I said, you know, it's a lot safer on the basketball court than on the sitting behind a thing and getting hit with a baseball bat. But, um, I don't know if he did it on purpose, but he says he did. <laughs> but you know, but you and your brother Frank, and you know, you you sports was everything. I mean, you knew it all, you played it all. You you know, you guys were such great competitors, um, and, and you just loved the games, man. You just really loved it. And so did you and Pat. We played cars, we flipped them, we trade them, do all kinds of stuff. We collected albums. We always uh, play for something, play for albums. Play for uh, for fun also. Well, let me throw up a bunch of pictures of you and tell me stuff, man, because you know some of these are from the past and are just great pictures of you. Here's a yes, a, a great picture in the day, man. Just yeah. once again, look at look at the styles that we wore. We were so colorful um, with Correct. the jackets and everything. This I mean, was, uh, that was the LaGuardia Airport actually, and that's Billy Chamberlain who actually uh, played at University of North Carolina, was uh, MVP of the NIT Classic. I remember going up against uh, Julius Irving, Dr. J. And uh, he actually worked the PS30 during the summer. And true story, that was in my middle, my junior year. I've got, I went out for my high school team, my freshman year, Johnny, and I didn't make it. I got really disappointed. So what I did was started playing, playing and playing and playing. So my junior year, he was working, and this other guy named Bob Davis from PS65 actually played in the NBA. So one day after camp, I played him one-on-one. I played the guy that was in the NBA, Bob Davis, and I beat him for a dollar. Then I played Billy Chamberlain, who's a junior in North Carolina under Dean Smith, and I beat him also. So he asked me where I played. I said, I don't play anyway. He says, well, play, play high school, and I'll get your scholarship. So I remember he was so gracious and and. This is what we are speaking about, you know, men stepping up, being role models, being friends, mentoring. He actually took me to uh, to the airport to go on my flight to college in Indiana. So what a privilege to have a player from the University of North Carolina, you know, a starting big uh, top player at the time, uh, take me to the airport. So, you know, you can, you can imagine how uh, powerful and how great I felt. Yes. So that was on my way to Indiana to college in 1971. You know, like you said, mentorship is so important. And we were lucky to have mentors and people who played a positive influence in our lives, whether it was in sports or in education later or whatever it was. And, you know, we, we, were, we were lucky to have that, man, because it, yes. it made a difference in survival or not surviving. You know, it was or having a good life or a bad life. That, that mentorship uh, turned our lives into a positive life. So both of us were very lucky to have uh, different kinds of mentors. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then you, you know, went on and we both went on to mentor other people in our, uh, the different ways that we do. I'm going to throw up a bunch of pictures and then you can kind of comment on some of them. I got so much to jam into this next period of time. I'm like, man, That's we cool. got, we got, uh, this is, a, you know, once again, you've kind of known so many sports people. So I'm just going to no. throw up a bunch of, yeah, yeah, go, go back to the other one. Yes, sir. That's, see, that's, that's Tito Harford. Uh, that's Al Hoffer's uh, dad. He's a kid that I uh, that I ran into at a park. He was 6'9", 
at 14, 15 years old, 155 pounds. So I got him involved in basketball, and he actually played in the NBA for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was our first Dominican NBA player. So he's Al's Hofford, who plays for Boston Celtics, dad. So you see, I still feel I'm in the NBA because it's because of that connection. Absolutely, man. And then, um, and then the next one I put up after that was, uh, what did I, what did I throw up next? I think that I was a uh, picture of my mother there with, uh, the late Ugo Carrera, one of my, uh, best, uh, friends and teammate that, uh, with him at my side and we, we were able to win the first uh, gold medal and qualify for the FIBA World Basketball Championships in the Philippines, 1978. That's over there. That's uh, Nate Tiny Archibald on a recent visit about a year ago. I invited him over and the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, was dedicated to him here in the Dominican Republic. Uh, this is in Santiago, uh, my, my hometown, at uh, one of the games uh, where they were interviewing me. Santiago, Dominican Republic, is the town where I was born. That's our Hartford, and that's at a game uh, against the New York Knicks uh, last season. That's uh, Sammy Sosa, and that's me on my left back in the days and uh, when I was under Secretary of State for Sports. Uh, for the Dominican Republic, that was at a game at uh, against the Miami Marlins. This is in one of our field trip, and that's uh, by uh, in New York City, right by the uh, what you call it, the museum, <laughs> by Liberty Park, right, the, the Statue of Liberty, and uh, where uh, the immigrants uh, first came in. Ellis Island. Uh-huh. Ellis Island, exactly, exactly. These are some of my students from Tequesta Trace Middle School. Yeah, that's where my mother and my dad both came, Ellis Island. Um, wow. And, and once again, here's you as an educator, mentoring, uh, you know, providing uh, leadership to young people. Right. This is uh, in Seattle when uh, Alex Rodriguez, uh, when I was serving under Secretary of State for Sports, and that's Roberto Valentin, may he race in peace, who was ambassador uh, of the Dominican Republic. Yes, this is one of visit Ricky Sobers, who played at University of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, who uh, went to Morris High School and played in the NBA for about 14 seasons, and one of his visits to the Dominican Republic at a press conference. So, you know, we went different directions. I went to California. You went to, to uh, uh, Florida, Louisiana, but eventually Florida. Then um, we're going to get into where you're doing today because we're, we're going to go there. But, you know, years ago, we got a chance to reconnect in person at the airport for a little while. And that's a picture of, of me and you. And I believe that was in Florida. I was on, coming back maybe from Trinidad. Um, and we ended up uh, catching up in the airport and just spending some time before I had to catch my plane back out. Yes, I was in Miami, Florida, to be exact. Yeah, and I think my, this might have been the same time I got to hang out with your sister and at her house, and um, that was a fantastic visit with her. I mean, she was, you know, once again another great, uh, you know, young woman in in the South Bronx. You know, just another one of our friends, for my friend, your your sister, um, Dulce. And I know she's traveling today. She wanted to be on this, but she can't make it. Um, unfortunately. Uh, who, who actually did pretty well for herself. Uh, she went to Brandeis University, same college that uh, 
Angela White Davis, one of our uh, <laughs> the people we follow also. And uh, from there, she went on to Georgetown University and she recently retired. She was the chief officer for the National Wildlife Federation in, in Washington, D.C. So she's, yeah. she's an, another survivor from the South Bronx. A great woman. Uh, it was so much fun hanging out with her after all those years and getting the chance to spend time. She was, It was so cool. Had a great time. But, you know, even before that, just to take us on a little bit of a journey, um, I, when I came back to New York from Chicago, uh, when I was going to school out there, I ended up taking a trip that you don't remember. Just, like you remember things and there's things I don't remember. Uh, and I ended up taking a trip to the DR um, and your brother was the one, Frank. And here's a picture of me up there uh, with you at an event. But he told me to go do it. And I was like, I try to call you. Back then we didn't have cell phones. So he said, just go, just take a trip and you'll call them from the airport. So I get to the airport and none of the phones work in the airport. Now I'm like, well, where is he? How do I get to, to hang out with you? So I ended up going to Casa de Campo on the west coast of, of the island. And then, you know, I crashed that night and I realized when I got up how expensive it was. And I was like, oh, man, I don't even know if I can afford this. And then I went down to the lobby and I said, hey, does anybody know Eduardo Gomez? And it was like, everybody knew you, of course. You were doing the sports program for Gulf and Western. So they called you. You came by and you picked me up and you uh, uh, told them I was with the Yankees and give me the Yankees rate, which like reduced it in like less than half or more. And then you took me to your house and we hung out. Um, and then I'm going to throw up another picture. Maybe this will help you remember better. Um, wow. And that's, that's the three of a, a friend of yours and me and, and yes. you uh, hanging out. Wow. That's in Alto de Chabón. And uh, that's a, a beautiful place here in the DR. They have, uh, as a matter of fact, they had the uh, concert for the America. And Frank Sinatra was the one that inaugurated that amphitheater. I was uh, privileged to be to be there that day to see Frank Sinatra and what, what, what a concert and, and, and what a night. I remember going to this nice restaurant afterwards and he picked up the bill for the entire restaurant. <laughs> he, was, he was definitely a high roller. Well, you know, the other funny, I mean, it was a funny trip for me because the other pieces of it that were even funnier. So when I first got over to the airport at the, in the DR, right, um, I had never, you know, traveled that much. And so I get over there and the uh, airport security thinks I'm a drug dealer and they take me in and they do a whole body, pat me down. They start questioning me and I was exhausted. Uh, Ed, and I was like, I'm, I'm trying to speak as much Spanish as I could to convince them. I'm like, I'm not here. I'm not a drug dealer, man. You know, I'm here to visit, you know, my friend I grew up with. So finally, after about an hour, they let me out of security. And uh, that's when I ended up going out and I had to get a cab. And so I ended up taking a cab and I said, hey, where's the safest place? Where's the greatest place to go? And that, that's when the cab driver told me, Casa de Campo. I said, let's go. Let's go to Casa de Campo. And that's wow. it. So this, it was, a, it was an adventure, man. Yes. I can see that was a good choice, though. Yeah. That's and then we ended up, you know, you, you, you gave me a great tour. We went to games. You took me to games. You took me to that, uh, you know, press event that you were doing, you know, and you were doing so much work in sports over there at the time. So it was a uh, it was very, very cool time, man. A very cool time. But let's let's jump forward. Uh, I, I, and then maybe we'll go back a little bit again. But, you know, just recently you were involved with this thing right here, the Bronx Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, dinner. And um, you just went, came from the DR, went to the, to the Bronx to be part of this uh, Bronx 
Hall of Fame uh, basketball, um, Bronx Basketball Hall of Fame. Tell us yes. about that. Well, this is uh, the second year of, of the Hall of Fame, and I was uh, very fortunate to be selected um, in the uh, selection committee. And this year, uh, Steve Shepard, the Bear from uh, Dewey Clinton High School and uh, All American of Maryland, also played in the Olympic Games 1976, and uh, Butch Lee were two other people that uh, the athletes that were inducted. So I, I, I wanted to be there for, for that event because I feel it's such a, uh, it's an awesome organization, you know, to recognize the best uh, from the Bronx. And, and because we have so many valuable people that came out of the Bronx and so many great stories. I mean, when we say Willie Colon, we had John Zorano, we have Bobby Garcia, Senators, we had uh, Soto Mayor, the, uh, uh, Supreme Court judge is from the Bronx, also by uh, Tintin Avenues, uh, the ex-general uh, Colin Powell, Colin Powell. Uh -huh. from the South Bronx, uh, another great immigrant story from Jamaica, you know, to grow up uh, where he grew up at and, and to become the chief of the armed forces uh, and should have been president of the United States uh, is, is a story of, of its own, you know. It's, it's amazing uh, how, in despite the obstacles that we faced and the poverty and, and the the danger, uh, the criminal activities that we had to survive, that we survived. I mean, we we are we had to be strong to survive. Well, we were def we were definitely. Uh... You know, like this thing says right here, nothing soft comes out of the Bronx, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we had to be tough. We had to be uh, strong to get through it, right? But we did. And, um, but, you know, let's spend a little time, if we can, on your latest adventure, because you just recently have gone on a new adventure to make a difference in, um, in your country's life back in the DR. And tell us about that and tell us about the mission and what you're trying to accomplish. Tell us about that because you know it's like here you came from you know the like the bottom like both of us and you know rather than forgetting about people you've contributed you contributed as an educator you contributed as a, an athlete you contrib contributed as running sports programs you've just kind of found all these different ways to make a difference in people's lives and I think that's kind of what we had in common coming out of uh, who we were and why we were why we were brothers in the South Bronx. But tell us about your new journey. You know what? How did you get involved in it? What are you doing? What are the, the goals? And what are you trying to accomplish uh, today in the uh, Dominican Republic? Well, I retired uh, almost two years ago from the uh, school system in, in Florida. So I needed uh, to remain active and uh, and I wanted to do it in a good way. So it just so happened that I got introduced to the chief, national chief of police in the Dominican Republic. And uh, he was initiating a sports program that is called De Vuelta al Barrio, which means back to the neighborhood or back to the hood. And basically what has happened here in our neighborhoods and neighborhoods all around the world in the United States and different uh, countries where the neighborhoods where the great people, uh, where we all came out, most of us came out from, uh, and now the heroes there uh, are the drug dealers, 
the heroes they are the gang leaders and, and that's 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 not good and so our kids are, are being pulled each and every way by by them and we don't have enough people pulling kids and letting them know that uh the uh, education sports and discipline they can accomplish anything in life instead of the taking the easy way out is actually going to lead to to jail uh to death at 35 years old uh, is, is more or less in that world your lifespan uh you want to be in jail uh or dead and not only that you ruin your personal life but all the life the lives of all your family members so uh we are giving them another option so the top athletes of the dominican republic has risen to this challenge and no one to we have done five events right now and no one has turned those down whoever hasn't been present is because they have they had a, a scheduling conflict and we have had at that our next event which is going to be on the 26th we're going to have the, our four cooperstown hall of famers juan marichal pedro martinez david ortiz and vladimir guerrero we're also going to have uh some other type athletes uh, uh tati jr from the san diego padres we're going to have this kid ellie from cincinnati uh, many great players, Moises and little ex-players, uh, Miss Universe from the Dominican Republic has been present. Uh, we have had journalists, we have priests, and just great people and citizens that are backing us up. So what we do there is present a way out to kids, present hope that via education, sports, and discipline, they can accomplish because we did it. So if we did it, they can do it also. So we're trying to visualize uh, for them the journey and the route to take in order for them to make it in life. Because if not, we're just going to continue losing and losing and losing. And I feel that I don't have one day left in my life uh, that I can that I can waste without uh, you know sending this message out to kids, without transforming life, without giving them uh, hope in life. And I, I think uh, we have a, a great uh, a program that uh, uh, what we do, uh, this... Uh, <clears throat> right after the event we we do events for them we do tournament leagues that we provide for them a stage where they can perform and where they can receive support and where they can be engaged like we were engaged in sports and activities that that kept us we didn't have time to get in trouble and you know what better way of doing it through sports also because you uh it's great for discipline for health physical and mental health how how how, how how much is that worth? Health and through sports. I mean, you, you we, we stay in condition. I mean, here we are in our seventies, right? In our early seventies. I'm not going to say exactly how old we are, <laughs> but we're still doing it. We running, we jumping, and you know, we active. Uh, and, and that has been uh, as a result of being involved in sports. Well, you know, I, I, about 10 years ago, I got a chance to go scout uh, the DR. That was my second time over there for a movie. And um, I ended up going through uh, three of the uh, prisons. I, I got a tour inside the prisons. I walked through the actual the courtyards of the prisons with the wardens uh, there, you know, and, uh, and seeing how bad the conditions were inside the DR's uh, prisons, you know. So just, you know, like you said in the beginning of this, that's the alternative if you don't give them a positive alternative and they deserve better and they can accomplish more if they're given that alternative and they take it. 
And if they, they learn, they use sports, they use education, then, then you got a positive future. Like we had, we created a positive future because we, we use sports and we use education to create that positive future. And that's what they need. And that's so for what you're doing with that, I think is so powerful. Um, once again, that you're making that contribution, you know, you're going from the South Bronx back home to the DR and making a difference in these young people's lives, man. It's powerful. It is, it is. And uh, we are blessed. We're truly blessed to be able to do that. And uh, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our mentors like Billy Chamberlain, like Nate Archibald, among others, uh, Vinnie Brewer, Ralph Baker that were there for us and, and, and you know, guided us and, and gave us uh, uh, an inspiration to, to, to do what we have done in our lives. I mean, we, we, we couldn't have done it by ourselves. And, Old cliche it takes a village. It definitely takes a village. It takes family, in order to support one another. Because uh, without that, uh, we were in a meeting. We we had so little. We came. You talking about dirt poor? Uh, I remember our clothes. They actually my first clothing were uh, my parents shopped at the uh, Salvation Army on Third Avenue. I remember going to school and. People were laughing at me, students, and I said, what are you laughing at? Well, they say that coat is a girl's coat. I said, how do you know? I said, look at the collar. I said, dad, please buy me another coat. So I actually went shopping with my dad. He bought me another coat for a dollar and a hat. Remember those aviators hat? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and then, do you remember my mom used to also go shopping at, they used to be, the, I forget the name of the bakery, um, but they had um, a day old bread or two day old bread, right? Or two day old dessert because they couldn't sell it as new. So they sold it at a day, at a different location. I and remember I that. Yeah. Cause she couldn't afford to get the, the, dis the discount, a discount, yeah. discount for, for, for even for bread. That That's yeah. how we were. And, and, and so that's what it was. That's what we grew up, man. We were like, you know, we had parents who did whatever it took to provide for us, but you know, yeah. it was what it was, you know, that's all they could get. That's all we got, you know? And, um, but yeah, it was a, it was an interesting journey, man. Interesting but, we were, journey. but you know, we were such little, we were, we were so happy. I mean, we were, uh, we, we didn't think, we didn't think we were poor. I know. <laughs> I, you know, I always say it cause you know, you look back on life and people look back on life and say, well, you know, was it a bad thing that I, we grew up in the South Bronx in poverty? And I say, no, it was a great thing. Because it, it made it made us who we are and it made us appreciate and, and be grateful for the things we have in life because we started out with nothing. And so, you know, this people who have everything, sometimes they go around and they're not appreciative of nothing and they got everything. They got everything. And it's like they don't have that gratitude, that appreciation, because they figure, well, I need more. Well, really? You know, and so I'm I'm blessed that, you know, we came from that because it gave us that gift of you know, appreciation, uh, whatever you get, man, it's, it, it's, it's a good thing. Definitely, John. And I'm so thankful of you and your family and, uh, your friendship, uh, it's for life and, uh, your mother, your brother, we, we never forget you, my friend. Well, back, back at you, man, we're brothers for life, you know, and your family are the same, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're family, you know, we just came from two different countries, but we're, 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 we became uh, related in America and we became brothers and sisters in America together. Right. It's and, amazing. And that that, it's that amazing. was a gift, man. And I'm hoping someday I'll get to go over to the DR and do a movie over there. You know, I'm, I like to take a trip back there again. Um, we definitely. We definitely have to work on that. So uh, I'm here and uh, you know how to reach me and I'm just so, uh, 
proud of the work you have done, uh, of the man and the family man, the dad that you have become. I mean, it's, it's just it's just awesome. So well, we are truly blessed, my friend, to be able to speak now, even though it's virtually. Uh, it's, 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 it's really a rewarding, rewarding times. Well, 100% back at you, man. And uh, uh, any closing words you want to say as I, as we finish up? Well, to all those uh, that are watching the telecast now, we'll see you later. Uh, just uh, I wish you the best in life and uh, just let you know that uh, those of you that have reached uh, the pinnacle in life or have been successful, don't forget to give back. Don't forget mentorship is important I mean, to save and transform lives. That's how... Uh, uh, yes, there's still hope. Uh, we, there's a lot of work to do, but I still, I believe that uh, in positive thinking, I believe in, in, in getting together for a common cause, and that's something that we have to work on. The good people have to get together uh, in order to uh, make changes uh, that we need to make in, 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 in lives. A hundred percent agree, man. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing all that you do and what you continue to do and touching people's lives. And uh, uh, everybody over there is blessed by your uh, contribution to them. So uh, they're very lucky that they've, they've found a new mentor, man, to be able to uh, inspire them to greatness, just like uh, we were inspired by the generation before us. So wish you well, brother. Uh, thanks once again, man. God bless you. And uh, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, John. Take care, people. All right. And everybody, you can join us every Sunday at 2 p.m. This is a special show, and I'll put it on again. Um, I'll, I'll replay it. But join us every Sunday at 2 p.m. for Live Courageously. Have a great one. Too. Thank you. Bye.